Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media. So be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. I'm glad you are all here. Uh, it's exciting to see you right in the heart of summertime, and we're glad that uh, you're a part of the services. How, uh, I'm just curious, how many of you grew up in church? Church was just a part of your everyday experience. Hold your hand up just for a second. All right. How many of you are kind of new to church? You really grew up in church, but you've become a church person, and it wasn't exactly new to you. Can I see your hands for a moment? All righty. Some of, how many of you now would just say, I wouldn't raise my hand in church for any reason whatsoever? <laughs> all right, I thought so. That's right. I just want to make sure we're all accounted for. Well, I grew up in church. Many of you know my story. My dad was a pastor, so I didn't have a choice. I went to church when everything was good. I went to church when everything was bad. I went to church when I liked things. I went to church when I didn't like things. I went to church when I liked the pastor. <laughs> and I went to church when I didn't like the pastor. And uh, I just, I didn't, really didn't have a choice. But I look back and I am so grateful, I'm so thankful for all that God gave me and all that he taught me with my church experience. And really, I learned as a child that a church really is, as the Bible describes, it's like a family. You get to know one another, you're in a relationship with each other, uh, you, you really learn how to connect with one another, and, and that takes time, that takes time. And then I've learned, too, that a church is like a body. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, the body of Christ. And I've learned that we get connected to one another, that there are people in the church that have giftings and abilities that I don't have, and there's some giftings and abilities that I have that others in the church might not have. But when we all come together collectively and we bring to the table that which we're gifted to do, it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. So the church is a family, and it, and it is really, truly, it is a body. And the church is a fellowship. We learn how to uh, work together on projects. We learn how to do great things. Together, we can do so much more than we can do uh, individually, and we, we've learned that. I mean, yesterday alone, we had 127 volunteers who served nearly 700 families uh, food at our CRC, and I think that's something worth celebrating, and I just wanna thank those people. Let's give them a hand for working so hard to do what they did. And then the church, the, the Bible is compared to a church like a flock, and I understand that value. We're like sheep in the sense that we need shepherds uh, to help lead us and to feed us, to guide us, sometimes even to correct us. And so I learned as a child in my dad's church that all of those elements come together, they're a part of who I am, and they have been such a strong part of making me the person that I am today. So I really do see the value of a church from my own personal testimony and my own personal experience. And I would tell you that this morning, if I didn't do what I'm doing for a living, if I sold insurance, if I worked at Home Depot, I still would wanna be a part of a church simply because I've been raised in an environment where I've seen the benefit of a church. But I will also tell you that there are no perfect churches. Uh, our church that I grew up in was not a perfect church. Uh, it would ebb and flow. We would have seasons of great effectiveness and wonderful growth, and then we'd have seasons sometimes of some discord and some turmoil, and that happened 
as well. And I think probably if you think back of your church experience, you probably can remember seasons and sometimes cycles where churches went through certain things. Now, my dad was a pastor for a long time in that church. He pastored from the time he was 21 years old until he retired. So he had a long ministry in the church. I served on staff with him when I was a junior in high school. They, fought, they called me to succeed him in that ministry, and I did for 12 years as a senior pastor after being on staff for 10. And then we, Cindy and I launched this church. It started literally as a satellite out of that one. It became a mission, and then it became its own autonomous church in 1996. And so I've been a part of a church and I've seen the ebb and flow. I've seen the positive and the negative. Uh, I remember hearing about a church and they had a pastor who had started the church. And when he started the church and they built their building, they had his name in stone on the side. I mean, it was in stone, etched in stone. Here's the pastor. And then he died. And the next guy that came along, they painted his name on the sign. His name was painted. And, and then when he passed off the scene, the next guy came along and they had a chalkboard out there. They wrote his name in chalk and the head deacon sat on the front row with an eraser in his hand. So that was kind of a diminishing return, right? And so I've been a part of churches. I've seen a lot of changes in the life of churches, as we all have. Remember the old story of the guy rescued on the deserted island? They found that he'd built three huts and they said, uh, what are those huts? And he goes, well, I lived in that one hut for all the time that I was here. He said, what about the second hut? He goes, well, that's my church. That's where I would go to worship. I wanted to own my own distinctive place where I could worship God. They said, well, what about the third hut? They said, well, that's my old church. That's where I used to go back in the day. So we all kind of have that story of kind of going in and out of, of church experiences. And really, I, I think that's part of it. I, I think honestly, as a Christ follower, that you go where you feel led to be. And I think sometimes, think about this analogy. When you watch a, a rocket as it blasts off from uh, the launch pad, what you'll see is on those rockets, there are boosters. And those boosters will burn brightly and propel that rocket to new levels and new heights. It could not reach its destination without the boosters. But after a period of time, those boosters will burn out, fall away, and they go to be reused again. And I think sometimes in our church experience, we're kind of like boosters on the rocket. God will use us in a ministry for a period of time to help propel that ministry to an area of effectiveness that it would not have gotten to without our involvement. And then once God has used us at that level, he removes us to go to a new place of service and to provide some propulsion in that new place of service. And honestly, guys, I've seen thousands of people go through the doors of the church I grew up in, through the doors of our church, and I really look back with great gratitude at the people God has used to help us all along the way that we would not be where we are without their contribution and without their involvement. And some of you are new to us. God is bringing you here like rocket boosters and you have a, a, a great ministry that you're bringing us and we won't be able to get to where God is having us go without you. And so I get that's kind of how it works in church world. God leads us, he moves us, he brings us together and he moves us to, to new places of opportunity. And certainly that's true in this, in this area. But what's so exciting to me as a pastor of a church, a church like this one that has so much potential, is to realize the numbers of people that are in our area that aren't connected to anyone's church. I mean, we think about all the many great ministries that are here, and I know most of all of the pastors that are out in this area. When Cindy and I started, uh, churches like ours were very few. There was only a handful. 
Uh, you had fellowship over in Grapevine, and uh, I had known Ed, I knew his father very well, and I knew him when he started, and I would go over and we'd eat lunch sometimes at Via Real, and I'd hear about what God was doing in the fellowship of Los Colinas, it was called back in that day. And he was really the pioneer of a more contemporary style church. And so I kind of followed him. Cindy and I would watch him from our more traditional ministry and he was kind of like Mikey. Remember the commercial? Let's let Mikey try it. And let's see how it works for Mikey. And he became kind of the Mikey that tried out a lot of the new ideas and, and a lot of the new methodologies. And so God has used them in a powerful way to influence people like me and churches like this. And so when we started, really I think Northwood was trying to do things kind of like a, in a more contemporary way. And there might've been one or two more, but I can't remember them being around uh, in 96. And then all of a sudden, man, people started realizing God's doing kind of a new thing. Not that he isn't working in traditional church, but he's working in these contemporary churches. And a lot of the young ministry people were being drawn into that style of ministry. And so you started seeing a lot of newer contemporary churches pop up all around uh, this area. And there's some really great ones. As I said, I know probably all of the pastors that you would think of and the churches that they have built. Uh, and, and they're doing great. They're wonderful people of God and they're wonderful ministries of God. But there's a lot of churches to choose from. And so it gets uh, very important that when a person begins to try to make a choice concerning their church involvement, that they ask that hard question, Lord, where would you have me be? Because all of the churches out here, I can tell you, do ministry at a very good level. We probably, if you go online and listen this afternoon, I would be shocked if you didn't hear them sing some of the same songs that you've heard us sing. And I would be doubly shocked if you didn't hear the pastors preach from the same Bible that I preached. And pardon just a, a few little uh, nuances, you wouldn't hear them uh, disagree with anything I would preach, nor I would disagree with anything they would preach. So I'm suggesting to you that what you have to do is you have to say, God, where do you want me to be? Where is the church that I can feel a connection with the pastor, that I can catch the heart of the ministry, that I can be a rocket booster to help the church get to its next level of effectiveness? And that, to me, is the great challenge that is before people who know the Lord and especially people who have a, a, a church background. Now, as a student of church attendance, I, I try to look at trends and I try to understand why people attend and why they don't attend. And as I said, ministry and particularly church growth is not unlike business in the sense that it comes in waves. It comes in waves. Uh, like I said, we were one of the newer churches, one of the first to do a contemporary style of ministry. And when we were in the grocery store, at one point we were in five services. And not in five services because I didn't feel like I had anything better to do. We're in five services because we couldn't grease and squeeze them all in the room. I mean, it was, it was insane. We couldn't park. We had to shuttle them from the high school. We, we were really in an enormous season of growth, which led us to this property, which led us to build a larger facility that has enabled us to do more with fewer services. Thank you, Jesus. But, but I'm saying that we've been in those enormous seasons of incredible growth. And, and as I look back at it, I, I don't ever remember as a pastor having the ambition to build a quote or unquote big church. To me, it was a byproduct of just teaching the word. Rick Warren always used to say that if you focus on the health of your ministry, the growth of your ministry will take care of itself. And I totally agree with that concept. So we've tried to be a healthy church. 
Now, what does that look like? Well, it's a church that is anchored to the word of God, but a church that tries to be geared to the times, trying to be understanding of the culture in which we're living, but knowing that God's word is timeless, it doesn't change, that God's word is relevant. And so in studying why people do or why they don't attend church, I found some interesting things that I wanted to share with you this morning. One of the reasons, according to Pew Research, why people do not attend church, these were the top responses. Now this is nationwide. People say, church is not really essential to my faith. I can go to church or not go to church. I don't see church as being essential to my faith. Now, I would give that to you in a different way because I'll have people say something like this. I can be as good of a Christian and never attend church as I can if I attend. And the problem with that is it's just not true. You cannot be as good of a Christian never going to church as you can being away from church. Now, I get it. If you're in the remote wilderness of Africa or Alaska, we have a group in Africa now. But if you're in the remote regions of some of the far-flung areas of the world and you don't have access to a church, then yeah, you can be a strong Christian. But when you have access to wonderful churches, uh, I don't think you can truly grow in your faith without that connection. And I'll explain that in a moment. Second reason, they say, I haven't really found a church I like. Now, boy, that's a common one. And when I go back to telling you, pray about this, here's why. There are so many churches. Listen, guys, you could visit a church a weekend, or you could visit a church for three or four weekends and go for years <laughs> and not get them all. And what's coming behind them is some new churches that would be springing up, and you got to start all over again. So, you, so I get it, not finding one you like. Um, third one, uh, I'm not a believer. I'm just not a Christian. And then some people responded, I don't see any point in attending church. Now, those were the top responses on why people, in the, according to the Pew Research, why they don't go to church. Okay, here's what Pew found on people who go to church. Here's the reasons they say. Number one, I wanna be closer to God. I get that, don't you? I feel a connection and I feel closer to God when I'm in a church than when I'm not. Uh, if I'm just sitting out back, you know, and I'm watching the sunset, that's a wonderful experience, but I don't get the same benefit as being in an atmosphere where people are worshiping, where the word of God is being taught, where I can look at you and you can look at me and we can shake hands and we can hug and we can interact. There's a value there. Number two, uh, they say I go to church because I want my kids to have a spiritual foundation. Boy, that's a good one too, wouldn't you agree with that? Some of you are probably going, you know what? I, I'm here mainly because my kids were attracted to being here. I get that, I, I absolutely understand that. You want your kids to have a strong spiritual foundation. A third reason, I go to church because I wanna be a better person. I wanna do business more honorably and I just wanna be better as a husband or as a wife or as a parent. Uh, the fourth reason is I want to find comfort in my sorrow or in my pain. And I can tell you that is a strong attraction that we hear uh, uh, to our church. We hear people saying that they get something from being here, an understanding and a comfort and a sense of peace with the storms of life that they have dealt with. So that was what the Pew Research found. And as I read those findings, I thought, that squares with kind of what I'm hearing when I talk to people each and every week about church. Well, here's what Barna Research discovered. They said the top three reasons given why people don't attend church, they said number one, it's boring. <laughs> it's boring. And I wanna tell you, going back to my church experience, I've been in boring church too in a church that I had no reason, I mean, I had no choice about attending, it was 
boring. I've been in boring Sunday school lessons. I, in fact, we had, um, <clears throat> we had these petitions in my dad's church when I was like uh, seven or eight years old. And these petitions were designed so that you would have a, a, a general meeting of all the kids from, I think it was five, six, and seven-year-olds uh, in, in that particular group. And they would meet for a general assembly. Uh, they would sing. And then we'd break out into these little classroom areas around the main room and have these little, you know, these little side uh, petitions and you'd meet, have a teacher, they had a flannograph board, they'd teach you and you had that all around the main room. Well, I'm going somewhere with this illustration. What I would do is when I got bored, and that happened a lot. Um, I, I wasn't diagnosed yet as ADHD, but God knows that would have helped the brother if I could have gotten that a little earlier. <laughs> but what I did do was when I got bored, I crawled under the petition on the back rows where I sat, and I sat until I got bored with that teacher and then I'd crawl under the petition and I'd work my way around the room until finally somebody ratted me out, sent me to my dad's office who never read Dr. Spock. <laughs> and uh, he, he dealt with that issue. So they had to kind of reel me in because I'd get, I'd get bored. In fact, it was so bad that they would set me on the front row of church. I don't know if you had that experience. Maybe this just happens to ministry kids. I had to sit on the front row of church. And I know the reputation. People say, you pastor's kids are the worst kids in the church. You ever hear that? Well, I agree with that. But you know why? Because they have to grow up around deacon's kids, and that'll ruin any kid. <laughs> it ruined me. So I, on the, I had to listen. I had to sit on the, and now if you've been at our church very long, you've heard this story. I sat on the front row of the church. My dad was up preaching. He had a, a, a tall platform, uh, the pulpit that he preached from. We've got his pulpit here. Uh, my former church blessed us and, and donated that old pulpit that he preached from all my lifetime. And so I remember as a child sitting on that front row and I got inspired, strangely, to take the old Broadman hymnal, put a rubber band around it and try to shoot spitwads at my dad while he was preaching. <laughs> and I never will forget it. My dad, he's reading his text. He has his head down here and I'm sitting next between two of my little buddies and I take this little paper projectile and I pull that rubber band back and I fired that first one up. And, and guys, as sure as I'm talking to you this morning, I saw that first one kind of go over his shoulder. And I got discouraged, I'll be honest with you. I, it, was, it was a moment in church that I was kind of down and I was a little discouraged. My little friends encouraged me, right? My little deacon buddy friends. And, they were like, Bill, don't give up now. You can hit him. Come on, man. You're no quitter. You can do this. And I felt inspired. I felt inspired. So I put another little paper projectile on that old Broadman Himble, and I pulled that rubber band back and let her fly in. Guys, as sure as I'm talking to you this morning, that thing, it's like the old, remember the NFL films where they slow the football down and it goes end over end through the goalpost? I can close my, eye, my eyes now and in my mind's eye, I see that little spitwad go up higher and higher. It came right up over and hit my dad in the top of, sweet Jesus, that was a wonderful moment. <laughs> hit him in the top of his head. He would later say it dropped into the middle of his Bible. He said, at first, I didn't know what had happened. And he said, if I had not seen the little spitwad on my Bible, I wouldn't have figured it out. And I never, did, I never will forget what he did. At that point, he paused for a minute. He just looked forward and he and I made eye contact. All I can tell you is the feeling that I had in that moment was the feeling that a lost world will have one day when Jesus comes back and they realize they've been left behind. <laughs> it's like, oh dear God, this is not good. 
this is not good. So I'm just saying, I, I, out of my boredom, I did something crazy that I've never forgotten, and I'm telling you about it even now. And people say, I just don't go to church, it's boring. I'm just bored. Second reason Barna said is predictable, predictable. We pretty much know when to sit, stand, we know what's gonna happen, it's predictable. And the third reason they gave, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. I don't see how it's going to help me be better in my life, to do a better job as a parent or as a business person. I don't see the connection. I don't see the application. And so that's the reason why people would give, according to the Barner research, for not attending church. And I'll tell you, sometimes churches are unhealthy. Sometimes churches are led by unhealthy leaders. And I know over time, when you evaluate, is this a season or a cycle? I know God, if it's really a spirit-filled, Bible-drilled, Jesus-thrilled church, he'll bring health back into that ministry, so you just kind of work through it and walk through it with them. But here's something I wanna talk to you in the balance of my message and my time with you this morning. It is possible to be an unhealthy person, an unhealthy Christian in a healthy church. It is possible, it is possible to be, have been in church all of your life, to come to church every week, to watch church every weekend on the, on the uh, computer or on your device, um, it is possible to hear all of this gospel, to, uh, uh, to hear all of this worship. It is possible to hear that and experience that. Now stay with me now, and it not affect you. It not change you. It is possible to be in church and be unchanged by that experience. Let me give you my text this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I jumped that one. Go to Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four, here it is. Hebrews chapter four, look at verse two. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Now notice the pronouns, us and them. Now, what he's talking about in context are those Old Testament saints. He's talking about those who have come before. But what I wanna do is draw an application from that text and talk about the gospel that is preached to us as well as them, meaning that there are two groups within any church. There are those who are us, who are open, who are receptive, who are wanting to grow. Uh, some might take notes and some may really process and meditate over the scripture that's being taught and really think about it. And there is the other group, them, who attend a church, but they really aren't into the worship. They, they really aren't engaged in the message. They're just kind of checking a box and biding their time. So those pronouns, us and them, are in everybody's church and they attend every weekend. They come really not affected by the message, as I said, they're unaffected by the worship. They're here, but not affected, us and them. And the Bible says the gospel, the word of God was preached to both groups. Now I can tell you I've had this experience before where I've gone out in the lobby and I felt like I did the best I could with the material that God had given me and I, I sensed the move of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church and I, I, I felt, if you can feel good about it, you, you, I felt like I, I did the best I could do. 
And then I've had weekends, guys, I'll be honest with you, by the time I work my way out there and I, and I say hi to folks, I just feel like I need to apologize to you. I just need to say, I am sorry. If you'll come back next weekend, it will be better. I don't know what happened to me. I don't know where my head was. I'd, honestly, I'd, and I don't say that out loud, but I'm, I'm thinking that. I'm thinking, and in those moments where God has really convicted me, I'll have people invariably who will come up to me and say something like this, Bill, God really spoke to my heart in that message. And I want to look at him and go, really? <laughs> no, I don't say that. <laughs> but I'm like, are you, are you serious, Clark? I mean, did that really just, did that just happen here? And uh, what God has done in those moments when I felt that way is he, my check has always been, well, how hard did you study? How much did you pray? Do you believe that you went into that service on your knees before God asking for him to anoint you and to give you the word that you would have for that church? Do you feel you did that? And if I can answer, yes, I felt like I did all of that. I've checked all of those boxes and I can tell you I've checked them this morning. And then it's as though the Holy Spirit says, it's not about you. You're the messenger boy. You just bring the paper to the door. All you can do is deliver the package. It's up to them to then receive that. And I have been convicted by that so many times by those moments when people, when I'm feeling like I just didn't connect when they're saying the Holy Spirit used that in an incredible way in my life. So I know that happens. I know there's those moments when it's hard to assess and hard to evaluate the effect or the impact of worship and the word of God on the room. But I also know, according to this text, there will always be one group that will be more receptive than the other group. Remember in Matthew when Jesus talked about the sower and he said the sower goes and he sows and some he sows on receptive soil and some he sows on stony ground. And can I tell you, if you've been in church long, your heart has been stony. My heart has been hard. I know what it's like to be in ministry and be backslidden in the midst of ministry. One of the easiest places to backslide, that's an old word, but one of the easiest places to slide back is simply in a place where you're doing ministry every week. Uh, if you cook food for people, sometimes you don't eat well yourself. People sometimes who prepare to serve other people seldom evaluates how healthy they are themselves. And so I'm suggesting to you, I get that. I understand how that can happen. And so you can be in an environment where good things are happening, but not be a recipient of that because your heart has been a little stony instead of receptive, and that happens in seasons. So understand the writer of Hebrews is drawing a distinction. Here are people who have heard the gospel. And the Bible, guys, is true. I, I, somebody asked me, how many messages do you think you've heard in your life? Now look, first Sunday, I, I've got a picture in my office I could show you. The first Sunday that I came was on baby dedication day, baby day, they call it my dad's church. My mom is holding me and there's probably more than a hundred women with brand new, she's holding me in front of the church. I mean, I don't I was just months old. First time I came to church, they carried me for heaven's sake. So I, 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 it, so I don't know, I can't tell you how many sermons I've heard. And I heard a guy say one time, he said, man, I've heard a lot of sermons and I've got something out of every one of them. And I thought, well, I guess I could probably say that even though I would also say, I've had some close calls. <laughs> Haven't you? I don't know much about that one, but okay, I got a little something out of that, right? But I'm just suggesting to you that th this word that's been preached, the gospel, it affects us and affects them. And notice, and this is the heart of what I wanna share with you, but the word which they heard, note now, Hebrews 4.2, the word they heard did not profit them. 
I don't know how your translation may have it. It may have it didn't benefit them. Us and them, both sides, both sides were in the room. Uh, the, the church worshiped, the church had the word. Uh, good worship, strong worship, good word, strong word. And one, one group was affected, they benefited it from it, and the other group, they weren't affected. They weren't benefited from it at all. And the Bible says here and explains it, it was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. Now, just for the few moments we have remaining, guys, I, I wanna talk about how the word of God, how your church experience can change your life. These are biblical principles I wanna give you quickly. Number one, I have to tell you this, the word must be heard. The word must be heard. Now, let me go back to the gathering, to the point of gathering. It's easier to hear when you're here. <laughs> Now, so many of you are watching online, and I'm grateful for that. We have people in other countries and other states. We have people who are physically unable to be at church. I get all of that. But COVID is over. We're, I'm sorry, are you done with COVID? I'm done with COVID. We're done with COVID. COVID, COVID is, it was bad while it was just a bad mama jab is bad. But we're done with COVID. So it's time to come home, come home. There, there's a, there is a great benefit in being together that you won't get anywhere else. You, you know one of the benefits of going to church and getting you here so that you can hear is that you need the encouragement of your fellow members of this church. The Bible says in Romans 14, none of us live to ourselves alone, none of us die to ourselves alone. Never underestimate what shaking someone's hand, what hugging them in the lobby, what looking them in the eye and just having a brief conversation, how much that could mean to them. It was interesting, I was reading an article, uh, I, I hate to admit where I found this article, but it's the AARP. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold your jokes, AARP, and it was on keys to healthy living. Now listen to this, I quote, loneliness is the new smoking. According to one researcher, it is equally as bad for you inhaling 15 cigarettes a day. Studies show that loneliness can shave eight years off your life expectancy, that it has a big negative on the effect of the quality of your life. It is the single largest uh, 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 predictor of dissatisfaction with healthcare, and the mortality risk for loneliness is greater than that of obesity. Loneliness. Well, what is a church? The church is called the ecclesia. It is a call out, call out assembly or gathering, gathering. I'm just saying psychologically, it's good to be in the company of other people. Spiritually, it's good to be in the company of other people. And according to this study, it's good physically to be in the company of other people. There's an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. People who suffer alone change. And I can tell you from my own experience, had I not had people around me to help me and to comfort me, if I hadn't had the love of a church to walk through that experience and you still walk through that experience with me, I don't know how I would survive. I mean, when your soulmate is gone and that person you've spent your life with since you were 17 years old is suddenly gone, let me tell you, it changes everything about your life. And I don't think, I'll, I'll tell you from my experience, I don't think I'll ever get over it. What has helped me? 
What has helped me is to have a gathering, to have people who love me and say, I'm praying for you. And I can tell you, I'm praying for you right back. Man, I, I, it, man, when your heart's been broken, you empathize and sympathize with everyone whose heart's been broken. I crack commercials now. <laughs> I can see some guy go through something on a commercial and I'll catch myself going, what is wrong with me? <laughs> it has done something, I'm just saying, but if you suffer alone, psychologists will tell you when you go through something and you're not connected to anyone, it will change you and never for the better. I know you need time. One of our young families had their daughter who died. She had a heart ailment and died suddenly, unexpectedly. And when Cindy and I went to see them and pray with them, you know what she said to me? She said, Bill, I'll be back, but I can't come back yet. She said, I can't be in the presence of a lot of praise right now because that's not where my heart is. You know what? I understood her. I really understood her years later. She was saying, I'm in a season of sorrow and grief. I'll get back, but I'm not back yet. There's a song that we sing here a lot, and man, it just, it just tears me up every time we, we sing it. I call it my Cindy song. And it, and it talks about walking around these walls, thinking by now they would fall. But God has never failed me yet. It, it talks about believing that change would come and believing that something different would happen, but it hadn't happened yet. And that was, my, that was our experience for years, walking through her illness. But I'm just suggesting to your heart that one of the things that has helped bring healing into my life, and I'm just saying, I'm telling one beggar where I found, for other beggars where I found bread. Look, this is some bread I found. You need some people around you that can love you, that can pray for you, there's something powerful about gathering. John Calvin used to say, if God is your father, then the church is your mother. <laughs> if God is your father, the church is your mother. Meaning the church is nurturing and the church is a place of love and a church is a place where you can get help. And I'm telling you, the, the value of hearing God's word is so much stronger when you're here to hear it. When you're in an environment of people who love you. Second principle. Not only does God's word must be heard, but God's word must be believed. You have to believe what you're hearing. The word preached did not profit them, the text says, because it wasn't mixed with faith. They didn't believe. Us, we believe, but they didn't believe. And this Bible, look, it doesn't matter how true the truth is. If you don't know the truth, the truth will never set you free. Remember I told you about the elephant that they train back when the circus, remember when we were little and they had circuses and they could do that sort of thing. And we were at Will Rogers years ago and I was a child watching the Ringling Brothers Barnum Bailey Circus. And I, we walked behind as we were running out of the Coliseum and they had these massive uh, elephants and they were chained to a stake that's driven into the ground behind the arena. And I remember even as a child thinking, man, those elephants could pull that out and go. How in the world? And then as I got older, I actually read a study that said, sadly, those elephants, when they're very young, would be chained to just an immovable post anchored deep into the ground. And those young elephants would pull and pull against that chain anchored to the post deep into the ground until something snapped in their head that told that young elephant, no matter how hard I pull and no matter how much I try, I can never break free. 
And once they settled with that in their mind, and once they've accepted that in their head, they said, then it's easy. You can chain them to the tiniest stake driven into the ground because they'll no longer pull against the chain. And when I read that, I thought if I went back to that circus, if I could tell the elephants the truth, the truth would set them free. Can I tell you, some of you are chained to some things in your life that you think are unmovable, and they're not. It, 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 if you, it doesn't matter how much truth I'm preaching. If you don't believe the truth, this truth will not set you free. Listen to Matthew 13, 58. He, speaking of Jesus, did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. They didn't believe he would, so he didn't. They didn't believe he could, so he didn't. So I've just never seen the Holy Spirit work in my life. Well, have you ever really believed that he would? I mean, I, I'm telling you, there's something about hearing God's word and letting it wash over and say, God, I want to be one of us and not one of them. I want to be someone that hears the word and not just hears it. I, I want to believe what I'm hearing. And I would encourage you guys to check everything you've ever heard me say against God's word. And if it doesn't square with God's word, don't believe me. You believe God's word. His word is infallible. His word is immutable. His word is inspired. His word will not change. I told you, I wouldn't trust everything. I don't believe everything I've ever said. <laughs> but I am telling you, God's word is powerful and is practical. It'll change your life, but it has to be not just heard, but it has to be believed. Here's the third one. Not only does God's words need to be heard, but it need to be believed, but thirdly, his word must be applied. You have to apply it. James 1, be doers of the word and not hearers only. James 2, 17, faith without works is dead. We apply it. Think about this church again as a holy huddle. Think about us as gathering here in this huddle and the, the playbook is God's word and the coach is the Holy Spirit and we're hearing assignments and we're trying to ascertain, okay, God, what are you telling me to do? I'm, I'm in a bad relationship or I, I, I'm in a bad season or I'm in a good season right now I, I, I don't, I, or you know, wherever you are and you're listening and you're experiencing the service and now you're, you're listening saying, speak to me. What do you want me to glean from this service? And once I've kind of dialed that in, then how can I leave this building this morning, break out of this huddle, go out onto the field and execute? How do I apply what I've just heard you say to my heart? Because look, if we break the huddle and we all go out and none of us follow up on our assignments and we don't apply, again, this word will not change your life. It has to be heard, guys. It has to be believed. It has to be applied. And when that starts to happen in your life, things will begin to change. The Spirit of God will begin to move. You'll begin to get a new excitement of what God's doing in your life and in and through your church. I thought about this. I thought I'd give this to you as I go. When they talked about how many people say they, they don't go to church because it's irrelevant, I thought about that. The world kind of looks at the church and they say it's, it's irrelevant. And I think one of the reasons why they may look at the church and they may think, you know what, I'm just not getting anything, it doesn't make sense. It, it may be because for many of us, we've become indifferent. 
And the reason we're not bringing more fire and energy to our Christian experience, that might be the reason more people in our circles have become indifferent. So if I could challenge anything, I would challenge you to say, God, stir within my heart this morning a new passion for you, a new passion for your church, a new passion for worship, and a new passion for my friends who do not yet know you. And guys, I think when that begins to happen, we're on the cusp of something genuinely exciting. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for a great weekend that we could just talk shop today. Talk about the church a little bit and about our experience. And we've all had good and bad experiences in church. All of us could talk about the things we've experienced and gone through in life. And Lord, now with this imperfect organization, this imperfect organism you've called us to be a part of, help us to realize that our church has potential. But Lord, we're called to be a part of it and we're called to help set the atmosphere within it. So Lord, help us to step up, to see our church become more effective. Thank you for 127 volunteers yesterday that that place food in the cars of nearly 700 families that, that really are looking for help in this season of life. Thank you for a team that's in Uganda right now who are ministering to some of our kids there who desperately just need some encouragement and some love. Thank you for the prospects of a wonderful children's week this week with Wow Week and all that pretends and all that could potentially do in the lives of those young hearts. And Lord, I just pray as I close, I pray for the heart of our church, for all of those who are here. Restore the joy, the fire, the fervor of our faith. Help us to get excited again about all that you are wanting to do in and through our lives and in this place. And if there's one that doesn't know you as Savior, Father, if they've never trusted you, may this be that moment where they humble their heart and they pray and say, Lord, with all that I know about me, I trust all that I know about you. Come into my heart, forgive my sin. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.